Welcome along, everybody. This is episode 33 of From the Valley Podcast. I've got a special guest with me today, uh, a very interesting character by the name of Richard Coma from The Vehicle Broker. Welcome along, Richard. Hi, Tim. It's great to be here. Thank you very much for agreeing to be a guest on the podcast today. Um, it's going to be very interesting to find out a bit of stuff about um, how your business works as far as vehicle broking is concerned. So what we generally do, I guess, to, to kick off the conversation, we like to know, I guess, where the guests of the podcast have actually come from. So whereabouts were you born, Richard? Sure, I'm a Brisbane boy. Through and through. Yes, have lived away from here, but I've come back. So, and uh, did you, growing up as a child, were you, was that your whole, uh, I guess, uh, young life in in Brisbane as well, or were yeah, you moving? All, all the way through university, stayed stayed here in Brisbane and then moved away. Excellent. So, and what part, were you a north side or a south side boy to start off with? Originally Springwood and then Tuong for 25 years, so I'd have to call myself a, a west side boy. Okay, west side <laughs> it is. West side it is. Um, so and what, what sort of sports did you sort of get into uh, growing up as a child? What did you sort of enjoy watching and participating in and that sort of thing? Uh, participating at school, I, um, I played rugby. and As um, in rugby union? Yeah, rugby union, yes, definitely. Uh, and also shot put. I was vice captain of athletics at, uh, at school. Yeah, Yeah, little athletics, did that as a child as well. Probably wasn't as great as you at the shot put, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> but uh, mainly, I guess... Uh, running for me middle distance running maybe the the triple jump or the long jump but yeah um, one of the, one of the what about the one. javelin were you any good at the javelin no and discus i couldn't get but i could always throw stuff so shot foot worked well i'm surprised you wouldn't be good at the discus that would be that that's a sometimes maybe a little bit too much coordination was required for that but i was good at going in a straight line yeah <laughs> fair enough um rugby you said and and uh did you spend many years playing rugby yeah, every year at school, and then out of school I'd worked in hospitality, so it was hard to play rugby because people were playing when I was working, or, you know, I'd work on the weekends, So, but I did get back to rugby in 2008, 9 and 10 at Wests. That's that fairly, that's, that's not too long ago when you think about it, really. No. Not too long ago. Nine years ago. And what, what, was your, what did your sort of parents do uh, for a living growing up? What, what sort of were they into? You, I think you said your dad might have been, was he a car dealer Still or something? Still is. Still He's is a car still dealer. Treading the pavement. Yep. And my mum was was she's retired now a senior English and speech and drama teacher. Excellent to have that. Um, yeah. So your dad sort of, to me, from what I can see, when, when I've spoken to you in the past, had a fairly huge influence over your life, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Yeah. Um, and that. Uh, and what about brothers and sisters? Do you have any of those? Yeah. So mum and dad had me and then divorced and both remarried. So dad had three girls and mum had two. I've got five half-sisters, who, of course, I introduce as my sisters. But, yeah, uh, five yeah, so they're half-sisters. all younger than me, yeah, between 10 and 21 years younger. They're all younger. Mm. Oh, any available? <laughs> uh, one single, she's 22, but two are getting married this year, actually. Two on Dad's side, Ruth's getting married. So in, they're, whatever, they're about 30 or late 20s? Yeah, early 30s. So early Ruth's 30s. getting married in May and Rebecca's getting married in August. Okay. Well, do they all live around the area, or? Yeah, they're all still in Brisbane. Okay. Actually, I see Ruth every every day. She she works mm. downstairs with Dad. Okay. So my office is upstairs in his his warehouse. Yeah. Okay. And you said you went to university. So tell us what university you went to. UQ. I did. I did. Uh, I did a bachelor of business majoring in hospitality management, but never finished it. And then when I lived in Nigeria for a year in 0607, I started. Uh, 
uh, that degree again. Well, continued that degree uh, externally through Southern Cross, I think it was, and uh, did two subjects while I was living over in Nigeria. So that was an interesting. So apart from Nigeria, is there any other places you've lived overseas? Uh, cruise ships. So I lived on ships for two and a half years. Uh, and what great. branded cruise ships were they? That was Carnival, which you'd sort of call the McDonald's of the cruise industry. And then Oceania, who were a mid to top tier cruise company. And then Regent Seven Seas, who were six star. So that was that took me to 51 countries in two and a half years. That's certainly a way to travel the world is have a job doing that, eh? You get paid to do it, exactly. Um, is it something, you, you did it for that long? Was it, what sort of made that end? Was it had enough for? I turned 30. Okay. And I uh, was about to be promoted to F&B manager, my next contract. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, hotels on land don't value the experience of F&B officers or managers mm. on ships. So I thought I either get stuck in the cruise industry forever or, you know, enjoy the two and a half years. And So why, why, why do you think that is? That, to me, there should be some sort of correlation. Yeah, you'd think there would be, but unfortunately, the the, the Marriotts and the Sheratons and the Hiltons just don't see the uh, don't see it as as correlating to good experience. So, yeah, that's interesting. It is. Um, and what about Nigeria? Tell me about living there. You want to obviously, what were you doing in Nigeria? F and B services manager in a six hundred room hotel. So, so at a hotel, yep. Yeah. So Nigeria is the sixth largest producer of oil in the world. So. That was all oil and gas and affiliated industries. It's not touristy at all. Uh, that was a very character-building 366 days. Yeah. But it was uh, it was enjoyable. I did make lots of friends and still talk to them now. Yeah, so certainly... And what about the cruising uh, times? Have you ever kept some friends from those days? Yeah, make lots of friends on ship. That was 03 to 05, so uh, that's, uh, that's 16 years ago I started on ship. So, yeah, third of my life ago. Wow. Um, Put it into perspective. Yeah, so before you did that, did you have anything much to do with uh, cars prior to that? or No, it was hospitality straight out of school. Worked mm. at my stepmom's parents' pub in Dagula, west of Caboolture. Yep. I used to replenish their bottle shops in Whamuran and Caboolture. Yep. Uh, drive exactly their rickety old, yep. rickety old Land Cruiser Ute to fill up the bottle shops before the, um, the locals and the tradies would come through and empty them uh, of, of their uh, supplies for the weekend. Hmm. Yeah, so then obviously, um, what was, I guess, what was the, the hook on the bait that sort of got you into the, to the car industry in particular? And, what, and when you first got there, what, what was the, some of the first jobs you were doing? Uh, what got me into the car industry, I suppose you could work out, my dad still being a car dealer, was the yeah. fact that dad's always, since so I've been born, had his own business. So you twisted your arm or? No, he actually never tried to, to get me to come and work for him. It was me who had the idea after I finished with a stint in, uh, in real estate. Um, so he was going to Noosa to renovate uh, an investment property at the time and said, son, look after the shed. Uh, he'd stopped retailing, he was only wholesaling and said, you know, when wholesalers or retailers come and call on the shed, try and sell the cars for as much as you can. Mm. And ended up staying with uh, with him for four and a half years until I started my own business. Mm. Yeah, so then, and starting your own business, was that what the vehicle broker, was that how that, that, no, that originally, started? No, originally I uh, called myself Cars for Students. Cars for Students? Yeah, so I got into the, the lower end of the market, you know, good little cheapies. Um, yep. I've never liked seeing people get ripped off. That's something Dad taught me as a, as a used car dealer. He's always run uh, a good ethical 
moralistic uh, business. Um, he's always looked after after customers, clients. So I wanted to get into an end of the market that was a easy to get into because obviously it's easy to buy cheap cars, and uh, I just wanted to look after students, and it was a good little good little niche. And uh, then rebranded to Cars for Motor Group. Someone told me that my business sounded like either um, it was you know too small or a bit cheap. So the whole the yeah, whole fake so. it till you make it. Yep, sounded yeah. you know Motor Group makes you sound a little bit bigger than you are. So Always. that worked. And then when I decided to start brokering, because the margins in used cars were getting tighter and tighter as, as time went on, um, I had someone critique my website and he said, you sound like a, a racing team or a small mechanic shop, Carlsville Motor Group. So I changed the name. And I'd previously parked exotic vehicle imports, the domain name and the business names. So I thought vehicle's good because it doesn't pigeonhole me in, in just cars. So the vehicle broker was available. So it was a little gold nugget there and I took it. It's worked mm. well. Yeah. And vehicle broking is certainly <clears> – <throat> how big is an industry is that in Australia, do you know? I don't know. It, because it's uh, part of the umbrella of, of yeah. retail motor yeah. trade, I'm not sure what the actual um, per capita revenue would be, but it uh, it is it is a good little chunk, definitely. Yeah, because I certainly – I've heard of some people and, and met some people, obviously, that do similar thing to you over the course of the last – 15, 20 years being an accountant tax mm. agent. I uh, come across um, uh, a few of these types of businesses. Car search brokers might be one that I, I remember comes to mind, yeah. being next door to a good friend of mine. Um, so there, there was obviously a bit like any other business, different competition. What, what I guess, uh, have you applied to sort of, what do you think makes the vehicle broker be the standout? I've taken a little bit of a different tack to some car brokers as in I don't actually market to the general public I love looking after individual clients and would never say no but I thought of the tack of building myself relationships with referral sources yes yeah so calm finance brokers and mortgage brokers I started approaching them on LinkedIn a number of years ago and said hey you get your clients set with a pre-approved amount if they go shopping they, as part of the 27-step sales process in a car dealership, they get put in front of the finance manager. All they're going to try and do is pinch your business and you know, give the customer a, a better deal and you miss out on the business. But if you give the client to me, you can offer me as a value add. My service is complimentary because the dealership pays me a brokerage fee. I can make you look good and look after your client. So that works really well. That's where probably 70% of my business comes from, referrals. Yep. So that's yes, referrals definitely, and that's can you know evolving from word of mouth as well. So once you get a few clients, then it's just word. Of, a lot of it's word of mouth from there. Is that what you're finding with your type of business as yes, well? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, word of mouth can either kill your business or or help it uh, prosper, and it's it's worked really well for me. And I think people who are in industries who are brokers themselves, like accountants, for example, yes, accountant yes. as you know is a tax agent. M- not many people do their own tax, so it's a form of brokering out your 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 tax. Finance brokers, insurance brokers—they all—they're a broker themselves, so they understand what a broker can can do for them, whether it's you know uh, um, a car broker or someone else. Mm. Yeah, no. So, <clears throat> and obviously you've uh, you've had lots of obviously different clients over the the course of that time that you've been doing the vehicle broker uh, here in Brisbane, um, but you you have clients probably outside of this area as well I do I do I'm lucky enough to source vehicles for uh, a subprime lender who help people who no one else really wants to help uh, and I source vehicles for them uh, and their clients between Perth and the Sunshine Coast so 
So I source vehicles all around the country and I also source vehicles for Innovated Leasing Company as well. Yeah, Innovated Leasing is always, it's a fairly big industry in Australia. Uh, there's lots of providers that do it, um, lend, a lot of lenders that, that obviously want to, want to, they know how lucrative it is and, and that um, you know, salary packaging, you're saving money. That's right. Whether it's pre-tax or post-tax dollars, it, it can be be good for someone. So, so getting involved, company. certainly getting involved uh, with some in some people in uh, that space would certainly be, you know, I guess an advantage you could have, you know, in your type of business as well. Uh, getting into that market, getting some good contacts as well, um, and also, you know, like like myself, um, you do probably as much networking as I do. I think you're probably out there. Um, going to quite a few different, uh, mainly the Chamber of Commerce ones. Correct. Um, so that what I mean by that is obviously the Valley Chamber of Commerce, uh, the BNCC, which is the Brisbane North Chamber of Commerce as well. Um, having two very, very good, probably two of the, the two of the, well, there's probably other chambers as well, I think, that are quite good in southeast Queensland, but they're probably one of the better two. Um, there's very good networks in both, isn't there? Absolutely, yes. And there are a good mix of, uh, of people in the chambers. And you're right about networking, and it, it can certainly help your business. And I started in BNI, which Business Network International, and I think it's a really good system if you don't know how to network and need to learn how to network. You know, two ears, one mouth, I think is a, mm-hmm. is a good motto to take with you to any networking event. And I know you are, are like me. You're a... A, um, a bit of a butterfly around networking events. It's good to get around to, to lots of people, and uh, I think that's that's something that I enjoy. Is you know the social aspect of networking too. It gets you gets you out and about from the office. You're sort of more of a a sort of after work, or you're more of a breakfast networker. Um, I haven't done much breakfast networking since I left BNI about two years ago. Uh, I do enjoy the after work uh, networking. Um, I think it's good to to mix socially, and uh, I think after work. Works well for me. Yeah, it works well. Um, that social atmosphere. Do you, do you feel that the social way of networking is a you know I guess an incubator for getting some you know the occasional business referral from time to time builds from there sort of thing as well. You're exactly right, and I don't go to networking events looking for business. I go there to meet people. And one thing I learnt from BNI is to be a sponge. Mm. You know, pick up what different people do in different industries and find out what they do well in their business and if there's some way you can use what they do well for your own business to either better you or better your client experience or to better yourself, then, mm. then that that's good for you. And I, I go there to make good relationships and then if business comes from that, great. But I don't go there handing out business cards looking for clients. Yeah, no, that's that's the right sort of approach uh, in you know in 2019 is, is to be able to do exactly what you're saying. Um, don't expect the business to... To necessarily be there every time you sort of turn up to a networking event, but you just you you never know where that's going to lead. So you never know, um, you know, what how a conversation will sort of how that will eventuate, and all of a sudden you're you're looking after you know, a fairly big contract potentially. Or uh, there's lots of different stories that I could probably tell as to how one word of mouth referral turn into, you know, a $20,000 fee or... You're right, you don't know who knows who, that's right. Exactly, and it could be someone sitting on, uh, you know, someone sitting on the back of a... a, um, getting a Thai massage or something like that, (laughs) and they're saying, oh, where do I... I need to get a car. 
uh, who, do, who, who I need someone who can bloody find one for me. I need someone who can search and get me like a, I need something that's a, you know, uh, maybe a tr- some sort of Triton, you know, top of the range Triton or something. You're saying yeah. I need to go and get more massages, Tim? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just telling you a story. It's sort of a true to a degree, but, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where it, it can correlate to lots of, you know, lots of different things. Correct. It can come from anywhere. And I think something that I do honestly enjoy doing at networking events is connecting other people. And if people get to know you as someone who can connect with them with the right person, no matter whether it's an accountant or a painter or a mechanic or whatever, if you yep. sort of get known as uh, a bit of the go-to person, then that can work well because then people obviously, mm. if they know you're giving them referrals and leads, they might you know try and you know return the favour. Yeah, definitely, and that that, that happens all the time. Um, yeah, so the, I, I can see you know we like a lot of similar things when it comes to networking. I think there's. There's a lot of sort of um, correlation, you know, with the way you do things, and I guess the way I even network, and you know, we, we enjoy it, and we, we as a result, we love each other's company. When we we do have a bit of a chat from, from time to time, not every single meet and mingle, but you know, I'm sure yeah, that right. so we sort of have a beer occasionally. So uh, you, there's always new people to talk to, as you know. So uh, one of those things. Um, yeah. So, what and what sort of uh, things interest you at the moment, hobby-wise, outside of work? At you know, at the moment, I actually play uh, eight ball. Uh, pool, I play. Yeah. Uh, I play A League or Div- Division One. So you're um, pretty good at pool, then. Yeah, I'm a bit of a shark and a left-hander too, which is which always throws people a little bit. Uh, but yeah, play every Tuesday night. Um, we actually played last night and had a good win, and we're, we've moved up to fourth in the table, which is good for this this season. There are two seasons in a year. And I fill in for a mate's team on Monday night sometimes as well. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good fun. It's good. You've always been a bit of a shark as yeah. a kid? Yeah, when I lived with Dad, when I was 18, 19, I lived with Dad for a couple of years and he had a pool table under, under his house. So I uh, used to play a little bit of pool and then being in hospitality for years, I always oh, yeah. was around the pool table. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I do enjoy it. It's good fun. Mm. So hospitality. So you, you've been to so many different places in the world. Um, I guess... Tell me some of your favourite places that you've been to. We've been on the cruise ships and all different locate. You know, I always like to draw a good comparison between the difference between the Caribbean and the Mediterranean. Okay. I think if the cruise industry didn't exist, the Caribbean would almost not exist. But the Mediterranean, because of its rich history and because it's been around for so long, I, I think is a wonderful, wonderful place to to cruise. Um, I often say to people, you know, if you wanted to travel from Portugal through Spain, France, Italy, and into Greece, and you didn't cruise, you have to pack, unpack, pack, unpack, get a bus, get a plane, get a train, and it takes you half as much of your your holiday time as travel. But if you get on a cruise ship in Portugal, you unpack once, and then when you work your way through the Mediterranean, you don't have to pack again until Greece. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And the French Riviera would be one of my favorite parts of the world. Mm. Love French food, cheese, and and wine. And uh, I suppose, other places that I enjoyed were St. Petersburg in Russia. It was a wonder. We did a big sail away party out of St. Petersburg at every every cruise that we to left Russia. There. So you, so that would have been interesting. It was, yeah. Did St. Petersburg and Sochi as as part of Russia. So where the Winter Olympics were a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I love cruising. Uh, the French Polynesia was a wonderful experience as well. Uh, Bora Bora Morea. Um, yeah, I love I love cruising. It was lots of fun. Have you done um, the fjords around sort of Norway? Yes, and and the New Zealand fjords as well, which are just as wonderful. Doubtful, dusky, and Milford Sound in New Zealand. Mm. Yeah, but they're the Norwegian fjords. Uh, yeah, it's amazing that as high as the mountains are, the fjords are deep. 
quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, I did a Tromso to Bergen um, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years back. I'm not sure if you remember, if I remember telling you about it, but uh, maybe not. But um, it was really that that was really just very scenery, um, just beautiful scenery for three days. Just tra- you know traversing those those areas and then ending up in a nice place like Bergen. Um, yeah, Bergen's an interesting city. I remember the uh, the fish market in Bergen was yes, the first place yeah. I saw a monkfish. You know, the yep. fish that's a bottom feeder and it has that little mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. antennae that hangs above its mouth as, as bait to catch fish. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first place I ever saw a monkfish. Yeah, and it tastes really good monkfish too. It is. It's a beautiful taste. It's a beautiful food. And being a foodie, cruising was fantastic for me. Lovely. Yeah. Got to eat lots. Yeah. So some your seafood is probably the bit, one of the better types of food as well. That's... That's for sure, but yeah, that's I've been that it was like a, a, a bit of a cruise. Um, I mean, it wasn't the, the best cruise ship in the world, but it's you know it, it did its job. You you were yeah. there, you ate food, had an internet connection. Yeah, that's it. And, and a cruise ship <laughs> is just the vehicle to get you to the places where you experience the world. And you obviously so. got some good views. You can you know play games if you wanted to. You know, not I mean some of the cruise ships you see these days. What are the best types of cruise ships that you've ever been on? Um, well, we did a cruise for our honeymoon actually in 2013 I convinced my wife to do a cruise and we did the French uh, sorry we did the Pacific Islands for mm. 12 nights which was great fun and they had a casino and a pool table mm. uh, on board so yeah Carnival are good and Royal mm. Caribbean I think are great for families as well mm-hmm. and uh, even Disney have a cruise line which is uh, which is pretty good for families and kids too yeah it sounds like you know a lot about that industry you've been in that industry I do I do um, and you'd, you know, you'd, you'd probably go back there and you'd feel quite at home yeah, on, a, on a cruise ship, any cruise ship, you know, know, know what to do, and yeah, uh, know know the pitfalls, the the good things, uh, you know, what to avoid, and what to line up for, what to yeah, exactly. what best time to eat food, <laughs> all that, <laughs> yeah, all those little things, you know, when's the best time to to do this, or you know, what you know, so that, and all the you know, which are the better cruise ships to to go back to, you know, ones that you've done before, or different places that you you know, yeah, what yeah. is a good sort of trip, um, yeah, so that's. I didn't know that much. I don't think I knew that about you until today, that whole cruise ship thing. So. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good part of my life. And it's actually interesting that cruising has become so popular in Australia. I think it was 1.3 million people cruised in, in 2017. Yeah, one of our staff members, Shane, he loves to go on a bit of a cruise. I think he recently went and did the, sort of a New Zealand one uh, very recently. So, um, yeah, so what, what do you think? New Zealand's a beautiful place. Um, what about, uh, what do you think of, uh, have you been to South America? I have, but only, um, actually one of the best things I have ever done in my life was, was to cruise the Panama Canal mm. and cruise ships get sort of an express ticket through, whereas the, the freight ships and the container ships do take a lot longer. That was mm. lots of fun. We had a, a picnic in, in Panama just before the beginning of the Panama Canal mm. and uh, that was a wonderful experience. Um, did a lot of the Caribbean, um, but only did a commercial stop in Colombia to refuel uh, but we did do uh, Honduras and Guatemala which were interesting stops as well mm. yeah so we could probably talk about all the places you've been <laughs> they could probably last could. three hours and hours I be. guess uh, and, do you, what do you, and what do you sort of think much about Asia do you like that their sort of culture and I do I didn't them? get to cruise in Asia but I do I love Asian food and um Love the cuisine and uh, I, I enjoy their uh, their way of being too. Uh, been to Thailand and keen to do Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. 
with my wife sometime in the near future. So that'd be that'd be good fun. The boys are nearly old enough to, to stay at home now, so we can start doing some a uh, bit of travel on our own, which would be nice. So yeah, definitely love love Asia and keen to get back and see more. Mm. Brisbane, obviously, quite a lot of your life in Brisbane. Um, have you sort of have you done much of other parts of Australia? Have you lived you haven't lived anywhere else in Australia. I've lived in Townsville. Townsville, for about yep. fourteen months, but that's the only other place I've lived apart from apart from Brisbane. Here in this big world, it's sad that that backpackers see more of our country than we do, and it's definitely something that I'm keen to do. Is once the boys are old enough, is get in a car and maybe tour around for three or six months or a year. Yeah, uh, see more of this big like white country. my parents, they've probably been doing it for two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. The grey nomads love, yeah, love travelling around. I think I think I spent like a year in Western Australia. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah, all different parts. Yeah, it is a big country, and there's lots to see. That's for lots sure. to see. That is for sure. So, there's, you know, as much as it's a lot of places to see around the world, there's just so much to see in Australia as well. I think that's why we're such a popular um, country for tourists too, is yeah. because it is such a big country and there's a lot to do while we're here. Yeah. Have you sort of been to Tassie before, Tasmania? Yeah, I have. Yeah, we did Tassie in uh, actually Christmas of the year I finished school. So 1992, we did uh, Christmas and New Year's in Tassie. So been back since? That was great fun. No, we did mm. Launceston, Strawn, Hobart, yeah. and we drove around in a car. Well, it was so much fun probably wouldn't have changed much I think Hobart probably has changed a fair whack in that time but yeah Launceston will probably be the same as what yeah. you would have seen back in 1992 and Strawn we loved for the seafood because as you know yeah. it's big and big and some good seafood, seafood places especially the east uh, the east coast as well yeah uh, and what are your sort of thoughts on the two cap? The, I guess the two biggest cities in Australia, Melbourne and Sydney. Is there any sort of preference you have one over the other? And no, I like, like visiting them both, but I'd never live in either of them. Yeah, I think they're too big. Yeah, um, but I, I think Brisbane is is actually lucky that Sydney and Melbourne have gone the way they are because, as you know, the the the, the property market in Sydney and Melbourne is off the boil a little bit, but people are emigrating here from overseas they're emigrating here from the southern states which i think has has helped both the brisbane economy and the brisbane property market not not stay propped up but it's uh, it's it's plateaued and hasn't dropped like sydney and melbourne have which i think is is good so that's good for brisbane yep yeah so brisbane uh you you're sort of a person that likes the warmer weather as well i guess i do climatize in this area i don't like the humidity but i do uh i do like the warmer weather Definitely love getting to the beach. Yeah, do you go to the beach often? Do you? Or? Yeah, we did have we did have two dogs before um, our second was born, but our priorities changed, so we rehomed them. But when we had them, we would get to the beach every second Sunday morning. We get to the spit on the Gold Coast before everyone else got there. We'd get up at six o'clock, pack the car, yep. head down, and we'd be leaving by nine o'clock because we'd you know had a good couple of hours there. So yeah, love love the beach. Get there as often as I can when the weather's right. Yes. Um, uh, <coughs> so yeah. Um, We're actually, going to the Gold Coast for Easter. Easter. We find, yeah, my wife's best friend runs Bleach, which is a big arts festival on the Gold Coast. Actually, my wife's best friend was named Gold Coast Woman of the Year just oh, a couple go. of weeks ago. So we're going to the Bleach Festival, which is over Easter weekend and the, the long weekend after. I think is mm. actually Anzac Day long weekend. So we, we're going to the Gold Coast that, that weekend as well, the Anzac weekend, to see some of the other Bleach events. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Sunshine Coast, you like the Sunshine Coast up that way? Yeah, mum lives at Sunrise, a couple mm-hmm. of beaches south of Noosa. So yep, I know where that she's is. been yep. up there eight or nine years now, and dad used to have a house at Noosa, as I alluded to earlier, and uh, always yep. holidayed on the Sunshine Coast. I do prefer it to, 
the Goldie. Yeah, I, I think so, same. I think the Sunshine Coast is a bit like the uh, Mediterranean, and the Gold Coast is a bit like the Caribbean. A bit over commercialised and a bit more popularist. I, I like escaping to the sunny coast where you can, you know, be yourself and and get away from the big smoke. Yeah, it. You just feel I don't know. There's obviously a bit of a different feel. You know, obviously as you said, from the sunny coast to the Gold Coast, it's uh, each to their own. Some people like the Gold Coast. My brother. Christopher lives down has lived down there for the last you know, thirteen or fourteen years. I did meet him at one of the uh, meet and mingles. Um, might have been my other brother actually. Okay, right. Uh, Nick, uh, the one from China, you might have yes, met. Yes, that's it. Yeah, when he so, came. So, but he lives over in Shenzhen. The youngest one, Chris, he lives yeah down down in Burley waters. Right. Yeah, nice. but uh, he's always loved it. Even though not not too many other of the family sort of live down, or no, no one else really lives down that way. So he's that's um, he loves it. He loves it down there. Burley is got a good part of the coast. It doesn't seem like Gold Coast. It's it's a little bit more like the northern the northern beaches of uh, northern New South Wales. Yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's a nice part of the coast. Okay, so just going back to the vehicle broker and some of the other services that you provide. So you've got um, you've obviously got uh, some other services, aftermarket concierge. Um, <clears throat> so that's basically looking at making sure things like. The accessories for for different uh, correct all uh, the, things all are all put on correctly with the cars. Where it's would, it, would that include things like window tinting yep. and suspensions, tint, and tires, tow bar, roof racks, stereos, paint and interior protection as well. Yeah, that's all all the bits and bobs that you might want to add to your vehicle either at the time of purchase or or after. Yeah, so you've got lots of connections in that industry yes. in that sort of area, and you just basically just. Is it sort of a... So let's say someone wants that part of the service. What, what usually happens? Tell us. If someone, say, buys themselves a Hilux and they want to upgrade it, you know, with, yep. with lots of ARB parts and accessories and they might want a lift and a bull bar and a tow bar and that sort of thing, we can, we can project manage that for them so they don't have to do any of it. They just tell us what they want and we go and, and get it organised for them. Um, or we can provide individual things like, you know, uh, roof racks or tent or you know, a new stereo or, or whatever it is that they might uh, might want for their vehicle. And we can uh, we can organise servicing and, and things like that as well. So, mm. you know, can take the take the hassle out of anything that uh, has to do with their, their car after they've after they've bought it. So yeah, just another a sort of a, an integrated service offering to uh, complement what we do at uh, at the vehicle broker. Yeah. No we obviously need complementary services but obviously you can you know identify that as a different type of service that's been offered hmm. and uh you know put it put your own spin on on you know that as 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 its own thing um flagship financial that's obviously uh you, that's been going just under 12 months hasn't it Coming yeah, started to, started on the first of july correct um, so they're obviously looking at providing solutions for finance for vehicles equipment that's it exactly all, all the all that sort of stuff yeah so turning uh, turning the the vehicle broker group Proprietary limited into a into a real one stop shop, so we can yeah, so it's, look it's after everything. One stop shops are developing that type of solution is always it's it's always a good way for clients to say, look, I just need to go to Richard and he can organise everything basically. So Correct. rather than saying, okay, well, shit, who do I need to get for finance? You know, we can do it. You for can them. basically say, well, if you if you don't have anybody, you know, we we we've got a great service. That's what it comes down and to. And that's you. exactly how I offer it. It's yeah. uh, that's exactly right. And something I do say to clients is that I don't have to be greedy because I make a little bit of a clip on the vehicle, a little bit of a clip on the finance, and yeah. don't have to be greedy. Whereas if you're just doing the car brokering or just doing the finance, you have to try and 
you know, make, make all of your money out of that one revenue stream. So the diversification certainly helps us be more competitive. Mm. Is there anything else that you sort of need to add to the vehicle broken, I guess, group uh, when it comes to service or do you think that encompasses everything that you want to achieve? Something I did touch on earlier about why I came up with the name The Vehicle Broker is Exotic Vehicle Imports. Yep. And I, I parked that domain name years ago yep. when we still had a manufacturing industry here in Australia. We don't manufacture cars here anymore. But the government has put um, new legislation into place which starts on the 10th of December. So they are relaxing the rules a little bit around importation of vehicles. Not as open slather as New Zealand has done, which I think is great, but they are making it easier to import vehicles that aren't sold here under under full volume licenses, like for example, Mercedes-Benz, Toyota, uh, for example. Um, so yeah, that's something that that's a, a name that I will um, start to market now that uh, the legislation is coming into into place in the 10th of December to start looking at bringing in vehicles for for clients, muscle cars out of the states. Uh, European older uh, vintage vehicles out of out of Europe. So yeah, looking forward so, to that. So you, do you like the muscle cars, the American? I do, I do. And that Americans, they, what's the word I'm looking for? So muscle cars and it's like American special something or what do they call them? Like hot rods? Well, maybe the hot rods are that's another specialty in itself. Yeah, correct. But like American street vehicles or something. I think some sort of there's some sort of business out of Brenda like called American something does it ring a bell no not off the top of my head yeah but yeah there's a big market I mean the yeah. the, the states is uh, 10 times the size of our population mm. and even bigger economy so there's a lot of opportunity both into and out of uh, out of the states and I actually spoke to uh, an export expert at the Australian government's small business fair which was at um, Stanford Plaza on Monday yeah. morning about the possibility of, uh, of exporting vehicles out of Australia back into Europe there are some vehicles here that are a little, um, little undervalued, but mm. uh, are fetching more money over in uh, over in Europe. So there's an opportunity for that as well, which I'm going to look into. Uh, and what and what sort of I guess news and what sort of sources of information do you sort of get to help you in your business when it comes to your industry? Um, you talked about that situation just then. How would you find that sort of information out about like somewhere in Europe? You know, having more demand for something that's cheaper here for example um, I, I have contacts over in the UK that I that I made a number of, of years ago so that's how I keep my finger on the pulse as far as the possibility of looking at exports but as far as the automotive industry here in Australia there's there are a lot of publications and, and a lot of information available to, to anyone who wants to sign up to it as far as what the trends are and, and what's happening here as far as what's selling and what's popular and and what's not and who offers good warranties and not only that, who's uh, who who backs themselves when it comes to warranty claims being made? That's uh, I think something is a lot more. I mean, it's one thing to offer a warranty or a guarantee, but it's another thing to actually stand next to it and, and back it up when when push comes to shove. So that's something I do, even though I am unbiased in in vehicles I suggest to clients. I, I certainly I'm not shy in letting them know which ones I think they should move towards rather than ones they should you know stay away from. I always try and put a positive spin on it. Yeah, I guess it'd be educating yourself in, you know, going through those processes, warranties. That's a good example, I guess, of, um, yeah, something that's that, that, that occurs in your industry, uh, which, you, you know, you just need to be, you need to have the expertise around as to to point uh, your clients in the right direction. But you, you're also going to make sure that they're comfortable as well, saying, well, 
I don't really need this or I need this type of warranty because this is, you know, this is this is what generally happens. Or correct, correct. And I think it's always it needs to be based around not just their their needs, but you know their wants. And you know, by putting a pros and cons list together, it can can be one good way to do that. And we're happy to hold clients' hands as much as they need to be held. Or if they say no, I want one of those, then we're happy to go and get it for them as long as they do listen to us being you know the devil on their shoulder and saying sure go and do your independent research if you come back and still want one sure we'll get it for you but yeah yeah i don't know if you get much involved in the actual car insurance side of things but that's fairly i mean that's obviously a fairly competitive industry is that something you sort of steer away advising i, I do on or, i yeah. always i always say to clients you know you, you have to have insurance from the time you purchase a car of course yeah especially if you're getting finance the finance company won't do it if you don't I just say, you know, jump online and compare two or three or four insurance companies to one another because they do vary, you know, depends on claims on that particular vehicle in the suburb where the client's living. And if one company hasn't had any claims on that vehicle Mm. in that demographic, then they'll be cheaper than a company Do you ever get questions about insurance with cars and vehicles? I do, and I always offer generalist advice and always just say, look, I can put you in touch with an insurance broker if you like, or go and do your individual research and play them all off against one another see who's willing to give you the best deal or if they do compare three three companies i always say don't go for the high one because they're trying to make too much money out of you don't go for the bottom one because they might be the one who tries not to pay out when you make a claim pick, pick the one in the middle interesting yeah that's an interesting answer hmm. um yes yeah, so a car industry there's obviously lots of uh, different types of cars. So, what what are the, your favourite types of cars to to recommend? Sort of first of all to recommend it for a client who goes, I don't know what I want. I just want to get, you know, this type of car. And you say, well, there's this, 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 and this. When when it comes to that sort of conversation, what are you generally recommending? Is there anything in particular that you find you, that keeps coming out of your mouth? Uh, Hyundai and Kia come out of my mouth a lot. A because they're made in South Korea and their build quality is fantastic. B, because they do offer longer warranties than, than most of the other companies. Although a lot of the Japanese companies now do offer five years. Toyota started this year, Subaru started this year doing five-year warranties. Um, Mitsubishi have been five-year warranty for a while. Nissan, I believe, is one of the only Japanese companies now that does only a three-year warranty. Um, but yeah, Hyundai and Kia, made by Hyundai Heavy Industries, really good build quality and if you put for example a Toyota Corolla top of the range next to a Hyundai top of the range i30 you, mm. you pay less money for the Hyundai but you get a longer warranty and, and just as good a build quality and um, and reliability yeah um, and I guess technology I was going to ask about technology so have you sort of changed your the way you sort of run your technology uh, over the last three or four years with your business is there things that you've uh, made dramatic changes in yeah i have i have tried to streamline the work processes and the pipeline from you know uh gaining someone's attention um as uh, as as a service provider from being able to gain their attention um keep them educated about what we do and then uh, attract them to, to to want to use our services and then nurture them through the whole process i I use a really good CRM called Infusionsoft. Um, yeah, yeah, Infusionsoft's fairly well known, but especially in the, I guess the um, BDM sort of industry, the, mm-hmm. the business development managers, sales. Yeah, 
They um, do. They do do a really good job. Um, been around for quite a while too, haven't they? They have. Yeah, they've got about one hundred and ten thousand clients too. So they're a, they are a big uh, big business. Funny thing is, uh, Infusionsoft actually uses Salesforce as their CRM, <laughs> and that's their biggest competitor. I think I heard that somewhere yeah. too. I wasn't know if it was you or it might have been. It might have but, been. So um, that, that is quite. Uh, Interesting. I use all of the Google suite of products. They're my email provider. I use Google Maps. I use everything to do with uh, with Google. They're great. So very cloud-based business. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as I said, trying to streamline the processes. Uh, actually, I've just started using a new one uh, just this week called Time Hero, which is really good at um, mapping out uh, a task or a project that needs to be done and reverse engineering it. So you might say, okay, we've got a project okay. to source a vehicle for a client and it can integrate with Infusionsoft. So an opportunity might be created and they need a vehicle by the end right. of March. Yep. We can reverse engineer it and go, okay, that needs to be done by then, that has to be done by then. And that's that's starting to work really so well. So it's too. setting up like a, it's having templates somehow set up with like a project um, of the tasks. Correct. Automatically populating when you click a few buttons. Yes. And you know, you need to hit uh, certain stages by certain dates to yeah. make sure you're going to be able to fulfill that requirement for the client by the date they want it done. Yeah, it's a good piece of kit. And fairly automated. Yeah, it is. And it integrates with your with your yeah, yeah. with your Google and, 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 and Infusionsoft through through Zapier. Mm. Which is good. I wouldn't call myself a techno head, but uh, or a tech it sounds head. like some interesting technology. It sounds like you're sort of heaps. up to date with a lot of stuff that's going on that helps you in your uh, industry. Um, what sort of what sort of TV shows do you like to watch? You ever watch the TV, or is I that do, something you do? Um, I'm up to my fifth time watching Suits the series. So that's the solicitors and legal it people. Is, yeah, based in based in LA. Uh, I haven't actually seen Suits. Um, I haven't seen that, so you definitely think it's worth uh, looking at. It is. Yeah, I like it. Um, what else do I watch? I watch a lot of the um, British crime dramas. So. Idris Elba, who was voted the best-looking man last year, uh, had yep. a really good one called. Gosh, what was that? Can't think of it. Can't think of it. Lost it off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, there are quite a few good English crime dramas yep. based on on Netflix and um, yep. uh, Amazon Prime. Yep. So I watch um, the Grand Tour, which is the new version of um, Top Gear. Okay. So the three guys are together again, working working in Amazon, and they're up to season two at the moment, which is uh, yeah, it's a good show. Um, I got Amazon Prime Video just for that. And I'm just going to take uh, a quick picture of you just sure. working away. There you go. That'll. What else do I like to watch? Uh, I got Ko Sports. I've never been a Foxtel fan, but as soon as they brought out Ko Sports, which is basically sports for Foxtel, mm-hmm. um, that's twenty five bucks a month on two devices. So I watch a lot of rugby union now. Yep. Subscribed to that last month. Mm. Which is great. Um, well, I don't really have time for much else. What a little, no, watch a little bit of the news enough. in the morning, <laughs> yeah. getting getting ready, and sometimes a little bit of the news at night when I come home. But yeah, don't sit in front of the idiot box too much. No, there's one there's one show that my wife sort of dragged me to watch. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't. Hopefully, you're not watching it. But um, Married at First Sight. Yeah, not a fan. Fair enough, <laughs> but what the reason I bring that up is one of the one of the yes one of the sort of uh, characters that's appeared on this show. It was up on fraud charges for a boiler room. Yep. Yeah. So it was Dan- a car broker, Daniel Webb, car broker. Did, yeah. Did you know of him before the show? No, based on the Gold Coast. So no, didn't. No. Uh, didn't I know a couple of car brokers on the Gold Coast. One's a friend of mine, uh, but no, had never heard of this guy. So obviously he's a, yeah tied up with the bikies apparently and been done for a boiler room. 
So you got this guy's got lots of tattoos, so that wouldn't surprise him if he's tied up with the Gold Coast bikey connections, no. which have probably gone underground in in recent, more recent years with the whole when they got sort of uh, reaped yeah. uh, through the the coals. Uh, but yeah, that just it sort of strikes me. What, what type of fraud was that? That you that you. So boiler room is similar to Wolf of Wall Street, the movie where yeah. they um, put a whole bunch of people in a. A call center room, and they yep. basically get people, you know, paying them money for things that are opportunity investment opportunities that are going to pay off, and basically just scalp their so money. So scamming them, basically. Scam their money out of yeah. them, close the close the call center, gone. So apparently there were five or six of them involved in twenty million dollars worth of fraud. Far out. Yeah. God. So interesting. Interesting to, to to say the least. But yeah, no, don't know him. Not tied up with him. At all. No, no, that's fair enough. You just never know who knows people. So it's a very, no, that's right. We know that Brisbane's a very small place, but even the world's a small place. Um, I went just just where I was at uh, at lunchtime today. Uh, there's a Facebook group called uh, Brisbane Small Business. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever BSB run by Kevin Gammy. Yeah, so they were celebrating their six thousandth uh, member. That's right. There was the lunch uh, today. lunch yeah. at just down at the Jubilee Hotel. Okay. Yep. Um, probably about 25 people showed up for that probably actually accountants outnumbered everybody there was about four of us <laughs> um, but it's such a small world there was this one guy there there's this one guy there he had a he had a cane so he, he had like a like a walking stick and a cane and anyway we're sort of talking about a couple of things and um and for some reason, I was talking about the Apex Camps up at, you know, that we, you know, because they would do grants, and I knew that Apex Camp were, you know, they were getting good grants, they, mm-hmm. you know, very successful. And he goes, oh, yeah, I know the camps, I know them very well, you know. I'm the son of, you know, I'm the stepson of this guy, Bruce Mackey, you know. <laughs> such a, it's such a small world. It is. And um, this guy had MS, you know, multiple sclerosis, like... Yep. Um, my brother's no, my wife's brother so um, yeah got got chatting away so it was quite interesting to talk to him and he's and then he was a founder of this you know grants business that, that you know does grants mainly for small businesses and mm-hmm. so uh, it's amazing you, you always meet somebody you know every day something happens to you and that was to me that stood out for me so far today apart from this podcast with you of course yep but, uh, yeah and how was the lunch it was good uh, so the options were you had the choice of a, a burger, yep, um, pappardello pasta, pasta yeah, or uh, I don't think anyone had it, but it was salad was an option okay. as well. No, you, no one makes friends eating salad. No, and <laughs> I think a couple of beer token tickets were included in the, okay. the price. I think it was like a pay us a little bit of money or whatever. And and did uh, Kevin stand up and have a chat? Not too much. No, I thought he would have got up and sort of uh, said a bit more, yeah. but. Anyway, it is what it is, and you know, I I think it's great that he's that he's uh, created a Facebook group that's got this many, yeah, got this many people. I've had him on the podcast before, I and think. it is an interactive group too. BSB, he's, it is he's very interactive. Well. He's gets like quite a lot of people visiting every day. Like seventy uh, percent of the six thousand will at least go to the, you know, the group. Right. You know, Look at the posts on it, yeah. even on a daily basis, and there'll be an interaction of maybe you know, a certain percentage or something. And when you looked at it, when the number of members and the number of small businesses that are in uh, Brisbane generally, I think it was like... 
I think there are about 17,000 small businesses in... No, there's a lot in, more than that. There's, But they if they've got 6,000, I think it's... Even if it's 100,000 businesses, that's still quite a lot. That's still mm-hmm. 6%. Or, I don't know if it's... It's probably less than 100,000, but the numbers are... <laughs> One of those things I need to probably work out exactly what it is because I've heard thirty thousand, I've heard seventeen thousand, I've heard well, hundred thousand. I was going to say seventeen thousand in the electorate of Brisbane, mm. in the in the federal seat of Brisbane, there's seventeen thousand. Yeah, so obviously more in the greater area. Yeah, so Moreton Bay. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, you're looking at Logan, Logan, Ipswich. Yeah, people right. from Toowoomba in the group as well. Actually, yeah, there's a guy that's always on there in from Toowoomba. So it's yeah, he's, he's built a good group, and I think he's uh, he's done very well in keeping it sustainable too. Yeah. So what I guess what are the plans for you in the future? What do you sort of want to? Is there anything any sort of grand plans that you've got uh, yeah, at the moment, or you, you've obviously got some young children? Yeah, I've got um, I've got some staff now, so growing the business. I've how many staff have you got, Rich? I've got two. Yep. One is uh, one's an employee who comes into the office, and one's a contractor who helps source vehicles. Um, so I've actually built an org chart and got plans to get to 35 or 40 staff yep. by my 45th birthday, which is about two and a half years away. Yep. So B- BDMs for the vehicle broker. Um, want to grow the, the, the finance business too to have finance brokers on under me and then yep. build aftermarket concierge too. Um, yep. And I've started marketing the vehicle broker this year, not just for cars, but also for motorbikes, caravans, boats and trucks. So hence why I wanted to be called a vehicle broker, so I wasn't just pigeonholed into cars. I wanted to look at all sorts of vehicles to, to help help more people. Are you broking any caravans then? Is it? Yeah, I actually went to the um, the Redcliffe Caravan uh, and Camping and Boat Show about uh, about a month ago, which was uh, which was great. Yeah, so making some starting to make some good contacts in that uh, in that sector, and only keen to talk to people who are making caravans here in Australia not the ones importing them from China. Yeah, I've, I've, there I've are sort a lot of, of them. I've had some clients that were interested in sort of uh, looking at buying these types of businesses because there's a lot of these there's some of these businesses that come up for sale as well. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, both of those types of businesses are importing from America or from China. Yeah. So there's you lose that that sort of Australian made flavor, but right. again, it's like anything you you need to have a. At the end of the day, it's it's got to be a quality product that you're selling. But you got to be mindful that I mean, cost is always still important, though, isn't it? That's right. And if it, you want it to be built in a good way, like you just said, but also not not priced out of the market, which unfortunately, a lot of products from China can can uh, you know undercut you. But I'd I'd rather pay a little bit more for something that I know yeah. is built here in Australia by Australians uh, than than something that was you know made overseas just like uh, iPhones they say um, designed in America but uh, they're actually you know produced in uh, produced in China I'd rather support you know Australian small business I am one so I'd rather support them mm. what do you think uh, who are some of your mentors um, obviously your dad's probably had a bit of an influence on you but who, who else apart from him has been a steady influence on you know someone that's or an identity that's motivated you to succeed in in your business life. There are a number of them. There are a couple of car wholesalers, uh, just small guys, but who've run very very successful uh, businesses. Um, there are a couple of people who, um, when Sergeant Rental Cars, which was a big business, who used to provide you know um, white label trucks to to the mines, fell over. They started their own. Um, uh, business um doing fleet for mines they they've done really well um who else i think philip de bella 
has been a has been a good uh, influence on a lot of Australian small businesses. And you know, the, the the because he doesn't say much, the words that come out of Philip de Bella's mouth, I think, a lot of people do listen to because he is uh, a wise man and did very very well with uh, with the Bella Coffee. Yeah, so Philip de Bella had. Um, I got some content on the podcast last year from the um, uh, King Street uh, Business Festival. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you would, went to yeah, that one. Yeah, I did go to that. Yeah, Philip was, was one, one of the speakers. Yeah. yeah so, but yeah, oh, he, he's the he's the one that sticks out because he just you just think about it, you listen to this guy and what he comes out of very matter of fact, uh, very direct, but you know very real. Correct. So someone like that who's who's succeeded and will continue to succeed i'd imagine um you know it's it's you know you just don't get that sort of um wisdom of words from you know a lot of everyday situations so yeah i can see yeah why someone like uh, philip de bella would be uh someone that you would certainly look up to as well and i actually uh, i know someone who used to buy coffee off him when he used to have a, a clapped out old toyota Celica. so he really has done it from you know he started at the bottom and he's uh, you know worked his way up to the top yeah no, and knowing that sort of information certainly you know makes you even put it more of a spin on you just say look well, it's it's well well and good knowing some guy once they've already reached the top but if you know them from if you if you know something some sort of story going you know all the way back to it authenticates their journey it do, does authenticate the journey and that's that's what makes makes it you know makes it uh, great uh, when when you see him up there and him sprouting what he's doing now and you know what he learnt about this and that so but, uh, also what he's done personally because I remember we got him to speak at uh, one of the signature events for Brisbane North Chamber of Commerce last year and one thing he said was if you're a business owner you either you can concentrate on two things your business that your family and your health but not all three and Everybody knows Philip Debella was a big man for a long time, but Until, he's yeah. he's gone and turned his health around, and I think he's lost something like seventy five kilos. So he's done a very very good job at proving that when you put your head down, mm. you can actually do really well at all three. Yeah. So we, yeah, I won't sort of go into that, but yeah, that's um, exactly it's 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 a good sort of uh, thing there to, to sort of say, yep, yeah, he you know you can sort of succeed if you put your mind to, to anything anyway. Um, so the Chamber of Commerce, obviously you've been involved in both of them. Um, how long have you been involved in the BNCC for? Uh, Brisbane North, I, from memory, I joined in May of 15. So about about four years nearly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Simon Penrose, I think he, he's a, a very... Um, long-standing president. Long-standing president. I don't know, it's hard to imagine a different president of the BNCC, <laughs> to, to be honest with you. Um, but he's there for a reason and he's, he's a steady influencer steady, he steady leader he is as well so has different people coming in and out of the executive board which I've been on um, myself which is, you've been on as well so you might, you know I've seen people on the board like you know Jeff next door I think was on the board Jeff once. Kimnick was yeah um, Dennis Keating might have been on the board he was um, even I think back in you know, John Bellamy was for, I don't know if you remember him, but... I do. <laughs> so yeah. he's had a few different people that sort of come and, you know, on the board and whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they obviously, I think the the direction of the BNC is, certainly hasn't faltered. It's always gone on a fairly steady forward path. Yeah, good steady membership base and, and a good turnout to... Um, and it is just one, one night a month now. It used to be two. 
but it's now just one one night a month, the first Monday of every month. So yeah, yeah. It, is, it is a good. Is that similar now. to a, is that similar to like a meet and mingle with the Valley Chamber? It or? is very same, very similar spin. They probably get between fifty and eighty people yeah. on the first Monday of every month. So it's a good turnout for a you know for a, a Monday a, for, as a, well. for a, and yeah and for a suburban um, for a suburban chamber. But I mean a couple of others too. Sunnybank, Brisbane West. Oh, so hang on, you, you're not. You're not just in those two chambers. No, I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I like I like chambers of commerce and. Um, so which I'm, other one? Sunnybank. Tell me about the Sunnybank <clears throat> one. Sunnybank Chamber of Commerce. Uh, very very heavy sway towards Chinese business. As, as you'd there. expect. Yes. Yeah, being Sunnybank, absolutely. But yeah, another good little um, little chamber, and they actually only advertise their uh, events on WeChat. So yeah, good. Very very strong Chinese spin, but. Again, I love being a sponge, and you can learn a lot from the way Chinese people do business. So I don't even know too much about that, to be honest. And I think that would probably be something I could I could talk to Nick about uh, yeah. over in Hong, um, you know, Hong Kong, China, because uh, he likes coming back every now and then. And do they their events or do they have events that sort of stick out that you'd like to go do that sort of thing as well? Or? Um, they they hold them at lots of different places, and it's not all just um, South Brisbane. Sunnybank based so they're like Valley Chamber of Commerce they have an event at a different venue every month okay which is good uh, member of Brisbane West Chamber of Commerce and about to join I um, think that's a fairly big one from what I've read is that right Brisbane West yeah no it's about the same size as Brisbane North oh okay it's still, still, de- yeah. still decent though and then um, Business South Bank it is, an, it is a, 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 an incorporated association so it is a chamber they just don't call themselves a chamber so they put a little bit of a different spin on the Chamber of Commerce, Business South. Bank. So, how, how do you find time to get around all these? I don't get to all of them. I do. I do pick and choose. I go to every VCC like you do every month, and every BNCC. But the others, it's I still sort of, a lot just in its own right. Then to add on to that, yeah, yeah. But I, I do sort of pick and choose the other ones depending on what I've what I've got on for the for the week or the month. But okay. I like to get out and about. No, you definitely do, and I obviously see you out and about. So always running, running into one another at different. Uh, Correct. Networking functions definitely. Valley Chamber always going to run into each other there and and uh, share a beer and whatnot. And, exactly. Uh, uh, it's been great to have you on the podcast. I think I don't know if there's too much more that you wanted to talk about today, but uh, no, I've I've enjoyed the chat and it's uh, gone in a, a few different different directions. It's been great. I told you it was pretty easy to get to an hour, didn't I? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So time, time flies when you're having fun, so that's a good time. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Richard, for your time today. Thanks very much for sharing a bit, bit of your story. I certainly learned a lot about you today hopefully the listeners um you know learnt, will learn a lot about you as well that you know your background is very interesting the, the whole cruise ship dynamic to me is interesting um you know obviously some of the things that you've gone through in your business also um and the way you sort of look at a few things is, is definitely uh educational to, to some people as well i think yeah i think maybe i might just finish with this there was a, a financial planner who i won't name a couple of years ago and on facebook on the 30th of june he said so guys, how much money are you gonna make next financial year? And I was one of the first to comment and I actually said, for me, it's more about how many clients am I going to look after next financial year? That's what's more important for me. Love looking after people. Perfect response, perfect way to finish the podcast. That's been episode 33 of the podcast for the From the Valley podcast and I've been your host, Tim Wilshire. Thank you much for paying attention and uh, there'll be another couple more coming up very soon as well. Thank you.